What is up, Fantasyland? Welcome to the GOAT District live via the Player Profiler Network tonight. Dynasty expert, co-host of the Dynasty Think Tank, literally the guy who wrote the book on Dynasty, author of the Analytics of Dynasty, Jordan McNamara, is here with us tonight for a loaded show. Are quarterbacks overvalued in 2023? What's going on in the RB landscape? Who are the tight end gems? And which second-year wide receiver should you be drafting right now? Plus a ton more. Grab yourself a cold one. Sit back and let's get. Go district, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion for the blokes missing on all of these trades. On all of these plays, on all of these grades, by the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex, send the homie a text, that trash off is the best. You try to make it complex, then they text you back, now all of a sudden they don't make any sense. <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice, from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. And I always be traded. And I always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. What is up, Fantasyland? Welcome back to the GOAT District for another live show via the Player Profiler Network. We're fresh off of our biggest show. Thanks to you guys. Thanks to the, thanks to the Player Profiler got fans out there and, and audience joining forces with the GOAT District audience. And you guys gave us our biggest show last week with the man himself, Matt Kelly. We talked about some must-draft league winners, so make sure you go check that out on this very channel, the Player Profiler Network. And you can also check us out on the Goat District YouTube channel. You can see it below where we drop ball in, live best balls, high stakes drafts and Millie Billies. And of course, have a bunch of guests. And tonight is one of our favorites. I mean, this man's been in the district, I feel like probably more than anyone else. I'd have to look back, but he's been coming on for a long time, helping our fans and our audience win in Dynasty and in every platform. I mean... Jordan brings an analytics side to the game. Like I said in the intro, this man literally wrote the book on Dynasty, the analytics of Dynasty. If you have not heard of it or checked it out or read it, make sure you go get that right away. We'll get Jordan to share with you how and the details. Jordan, always a blast to have you, man. Welcome back to the district. How are you doing tonight? Good man, thanks to thanks for having me. Uh, I always enjoy being here, uh, and I gotta say, like usually Dan's my hype man, so I'm glad that he passed along the uh, responsibility to you. <laughs> yeah, Dan, Dan's in the bush, like I was, I was saying. He he has the yearly sh- yearly trip with um with his with his girls and and a friend of his, and they go deep in the the woods with a couple canoes and get away from uh you know electronics and fantasy and all of it. So hopefully they're they're safe and having fun. But yeah, man, we always love having you on. Um, you're doing some great work right now with Chad, the dynasty, uh, think tank, make sure you guys go check that out. If you're not already checking out, I'm sure you are tonight. We're going to hit every position. I mean, it's the middle of July, almost the end of July, which, you know, summer's kind of flying by, 
but there's still a lot going on in the NFL. I know we're all drafting right now. We got slow drafts. I know I've got a fantasy pros where I've got a contest between paint drying and literally this draft because it takes so long for guys to make picks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm guilty of one or two when you're, you're stuck at work or whatever, but you know, some of these are, are snail snails uh, speed, but tonight we're going to talk about for sure guys you want to be drafting, but guys that you should have concerns about. And, you know, maybe there's guys you think you should be concerned about. You're not really sure. We're going to hit on those tonight. I see the chat. I see 1912. Nick is in there. Guys, drop your comments, your chat, your, your questions in the chat. We love having you guys with us live. We're going to start with the running back position. Jordan, my favorite for sure. There's a lot going on right now. You've got Barkley's situation. Um, you've got Hall's injury. You know, uncertainty with guys like JT. My question to you, I, I think it was on the think the think tank. You actually gave a really good thought on what was actually going on right now, specifically with contracts and running backs. I know on this show a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned like this is kind of looking like there's some kind of running back movement going on. You know, maybe they've decided as a group we're putting our foot down. Uh, but you had some interesting some some interesting input on that. Why don't you share that with the audience? Yeah, I just don't think that's true. Um, I, you know, if you look like there's was two running backs drafted in the top 12 picks of the NFL draft. Uh, this year's the most guaranteed money the running back position has ever gotten. Right. And I know the cap's going up, but it, it's it's the most it's gotten and it's more than in prior years. And by the way, that's going to a group of free agents that includes as headliners, David Montgomery, Miles Sanders, uh, uh, Alexander Madison and Jamal Williams, right? I don't think that there's, again, I like those guys, but there's not a top 20 dynasty running back in that group. So again, that's not the end all be all of measure for the NFL value, but just to give you an idea, like there was a lot of guaranteed money thrown at running backs this year. That was not two guys that were stars. Now I, I think what people are rightly concerned about well, people are concerned about it. I think where, where they're right on their concern is that you're seeing teams that have team control, not extending guys. So you're they're using the franchise tag and just saying, fine, we'll play, we'll play out the year. Um, from a team perspective, that makes a lot of sense. Um, but and and you saw like this year is the lowest that the running back position has basically ever received in terms of extensions. And it's like less than $2 million worth of actually guaranteed extensions. And that's to like Jamichael hasty. Like it was not anyone really getting extended again. It's still July. So there could be, there could be more time there for people to get extended. And again, I would, the other thing I would kind of say to that is right. That doesn't include the number of, of Pollard and Barkley and Jacobs who are making, you know, eight figures this year on franchise tags that doesn't count in that extension number, right? That's just, it's different. It's not counted in there. It's almost like a lost number, right? So that doesn't really show up on the ledger sheet. So I I understand why people are sort of concerned, I guess. Um, but I think it's kind of like similar to the NBA. I mean, we talk a ton about, you know, looking at other sports and sort of getting an understanding of kind of what's going on in other sports and see how we can apply it. I mean, Roy Hibbert, got paid a ton of money and then in like 18 months couldn't stand the floor in an NBA game. Right. I mean, he's a seven foot guy. It was a shot blocking room protected. couldn't really move. And like Draymond green made basically that archetype of center extinct in a very short amount of time. Right. And so 
uh, like that's a little bit about what's going on at the running back position, but I don't think, you know, you're seeing these quotes about how, you know, oh, the analytics, there was some athletic report today blaming Shanahan, blaming Mike Shanahan, by the way, who hasn't been a coach <laughs> like 15 years, uh, blaming him for this and then blaming the analytics community. And I was like, wait a second, you guys just turned around and gave a ton of guaranteed money to guys that aren't really that good. And you drafted two in the top 12 of the NFL draft, right? This isn't like... These things ebb and flow, and I just this is just seems like a July story that just doesn't really have a ton of factual basis. Yeah, and let okay. me add for a second too, right? Running backs making more than kickers. Okay, yes, right. Why is that? Well, let's just use a little common sense on that. There's three or four running backs on every team, so you're getting guys that were drafted in the seventh round. You are getting guys that were drafted in the you know, and on day, you know, later, later day three, right. You're getting guys that are just street free agents. You're getting all of these, all of these players that, you know, that end of the NFL comes and goes really quickly, no matter what the position is. Right. And they're making minimums. They're making not a lot of money as opposed to like one or two or three kicker contracts. Really, it really sort of explodes that number, right. You start paying a kicker four or five, $6 million a year, and all of a sudden you start really dragging that number up and right, it's just a bigger, right, of course, running backs, because there's so many more of them, of course, on a per player basis, they're not going to make as much as kickers because you have so many of them making no money, you know, at, at, just like you would at other positions. Right. So I just, I don't know. And the other thing too, is I think it's funny, like, you know, teams are, you know, the argument is, Hey, you should go, you should draft a guy. Cause then you have a lot of control over it. Like that makes no sense. Right. Like if 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 what you're saying is true, that the, the free agent market is just imploding, you should constantly be in the business if you're an NFL team, not drafting Bijan Robinson at eight. Uh, but but say, all right, well, next year I'm just going to take, you know, whoever this year's Leonard Fournette is, whoever this year's cap casualty is after this you know, after 2023. We're just going to be in that business and just keep, you know, wait until August to keep recycling those roster spots and just doing that right when you look at running backs taking them early in the draft is like the worst thing you can do because you're getting you're not actually saving yourself money right if you draft a you know if you draft an offensive tackle right if you draft an edge right an interior pass rusher right a corner right those guys that are a lot harder to come by when they go into free agency they make a lot more money right the average in the high end of these guys right like Christian McCaffrey's deal would be would rank like outside the top 20 at the wide receiver position. He's the highest paid running back, right? There's no like you're just better off to draft a wide receiver than to draft a running back early. So I think that people just kind of get this whole thing a little bit mixed up and so worried about what's happening on these rookie deals that when guys hit the market, they're still getting paid, right? And even when they're not that good. Theo, do you think that this situation right now? Thank you for joining us. I know you were deep into it. And it was a slow. It was a slow. It was a slow draft, guys. It was a seven thirty start. I thought I'd be here right on time <laughs> at the nine. I planned it out perfectly, but uh, yeah, man, we are, we're drafting uh, a one twenty five best ball with with uh, Dave Turp and Billy Muzio was in that draft too. So it was a lot of fun. So after this show, guys, after this show, you've got something to go watch on the FFPC. No, they they we're seeing some people jumping over from from that uh from that stream. It just finished. So beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. So we were just talking about the running back landscape and Jordan's making some really good points just in the fact that, you know, this is not as 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 dramatic as we think with regards to, to the future of the running back position, free agency. 
we've seen this before. I think like what, what I'm noticing is you, you usually have the, the one or two or three top guys in the offseason that are questions they want to hold out. You know, we've seen it, uh, you know, in Pittsburgh, we've seen it in, in a lot of places, a lot of years. It's this, the next layer. And that's what I was going to ask you, Theo, and maybe Jordan can, can add after is, are the, is it just a supply of too much of the same thing right now that's out there? So it's like, why make a move, you know, wait to see how the market falls, Theo? What do you think about this RB landscape right now? I mean, I think it's a tough one for the running backs because of all the fines. If you do hold out, I think it's it's like uh, unadvantageous to them just like monetarily. And then, like you said, I think what's really crazy is how how deep of a free agent running back uh, group is coming up this offseason. Um, it's tough. I think that it's getting a little bit too much overblown. I think at the end of the day, most of these guys are just going to play and not hold out. And I think it's a lot of smoke. I think that things need to change, um, you know, in terms of like the, the bargaining and all that kind of stuff. But we're, we're kind of far from that. It's, it's just disappointing. I have enjoyed, I picked up a Saquon Barkley share this yeah, week, that. Jordan. That was yeah. Nice. I, I traded for Saquon. And I traded, and and people are trying to cut there. I see some people. What did trying you give? Get. What did you give Theo? Just to let James James Cook and uh, Traylon Burks, and that's it. So it was like a a win. You know, it's a it's a drafter who I've seen like just get out of people. It's a portfolio drafter on FFPC who has a lot of a lot of teams, and I think he's definitely trying to to get off of some of his Saquon shares. And I feel like at that price, I can't get hurt. We're, we're going to come back and we're going to dive into some actual dynasty ADP right now, especially at the top with some of these running backs that we're talking about. But first, we're going to go to a word from our sponsors. We'll be back right after this. Hey, you know, people always ask me, what's the World Series of Fantasy? What's the Super Bowl of Fantasy? And it's easy. It's the FFPC. Their signature players championship has a $6 million prize pool. And their best ball leagues start in February. And they're the answer to so many questions. Hey, what's the best place to get a Dynasty Orphan? Well, you can adopt a Dynasty Orphan at the FFPC right now. There's more orphans at the FFPC than anywhere else on the internet. That's why we partner with them. So if you want to play fantasy football for low, medium, high stakes, you love Dynasty, you love best ball, you love seasonal leagues... All types of fantasy footballers need to go to the FFPC. And remember, use promo code UNDERWORLD. Promo code UNDERWORLD gets you $25 off your first team. Promo code UNDERWORLD, $25 off your first team, no matter what the format is, at the FFPC. Go get it. And we're back, guys. We're talking running backs. When I look, Fantasy Mojo, which if you're drafting anything, any, uh, literally any level, any platform, any format, you should sign up to Fantasy Mojo just because you get a feel of ADP for guys that have a lot of skin in the game. We talk about it often on this show. That's why we focus on high, high stakes. That's where people have the most skin in the game. That's where you see a lot of truth uh, on the board, I like to say. So if I'm looking at Dynasty guys right now on the FFPC, looking at the last 30 days, obviously there's been changes, but on average, you're seeing Bijan, JT, CMC, Brees Hall and Theo's boy Gibbs going off in the first round. Barkley has been part of that. So this is kind of a two-parter for you, Jordan. I'll go to you first. Is there one of those guys that you're not touching in the first round? How do you feel about those guys and where they're going? And then Barkley specifically, how are you approaching that now that we have 
bit more news on on where he stands. So I'll say this um, with the tagged guy. So it's worth noting that that Pollard is differently situated than both Barkley and Jacobs are. Pollard has signed his tag, so he must sign up or he, he does incur fines. Neither Jacobs nor Barkley has signed their tag, so they cannot show up from camp and they're not under contract and can't be fined by the team. Right. So they're not subject to actually reporting right now. Um, I will say this. I think it is a uh, if I were them. Right. I don't know if I would turn down eight figures because the problem is, is that if they could conceivably I don't think this will happen. But if a team got fed up, right, if a Josh McDaniels led Raiders team just decided to go like full Bill Belichick and start burning down relationships, he could he could rescind the tag on Jacobs and then Jacobs would be an unrestricted free agent. The problem with that is there's not a lot of money kicking around right now to pay these guys. Right. So this is it's a tough like there's not a lot of great answers to this other than to play well and you'll hit free agency and probably make more money than a running backs made in a while. Um, but uh, like, there's not a ton of, and by the way, I just want to, one other thing, right? No one loves Alexander Madison, right? Maybe besides me, but no one else loves Alexander Madison. Okay. Alexander Madison. If you took his guaranteed money this year, okay. The, the money that he has guaranteed, what was guaranteed to him by the Vikings in terms of what his actual contract was, which was $6.35 million. Okay. In the last five years, that would rank second, second, second fourth and fourth amongst running backs with uh in guaranteed money in free agency you want to guess how many people are in front of him this year three <laughs> right it was it was sanders it's it's montgomery and and jamal williams by the way jamal williams who frankly like again i like jamal williams probably more than a lot of people do he would rank second in all of the last five years with the exception of 2018 Right. So we are seeing actually guaranteed money going out to running backs. They just have to hit the market. And that's the, I think the, the thing that everyone's getting all, uh, all, all tied around. So I just wanted to sort of lay that out because it, it had me a little, uh, I, I was deep in research the other day just because I was like, I don't think much of this is actually true to answer your actual question. Right. So the question was B. John Robinson, CMC, Gibbs, JT Hall, Barkley, kind of what we think about those guys in the first round. Right. Is that. Yep. And we're thinking like dynasty startup drafts. I mean, it's hard for, right. I, I look at this and I'm like, well, what do I feel great about? And I don't feel great about a, a running back coming off an injury, uh, a, a knee injury, right. A season ending ACL injury. That doesn't feel like a great start. So hall already, I'm like, not, not super enthused about, um, you know, Barkley has been like excellent. And then kind of like, good to then very good in his career, which be sort of the arc around a couple of injuries there. And again, now we got this sort of drama. I think if you're buying at a discount, that's probably more of a position that I would do. Um, you know, it's interesting because like, if you want to say like, I think Bijan probably belongs at one, that's not even necessarily like the biggest endorsement of Bijan other than to say like all these other guys have awards. You might as well just take the yeah. top 10 pick that went, you know, that then that's a rookie. It's a 21 year old rookie. Like, I mean, sometimes you just do that. Um, you know, I, I can see the argument for like McCaffrey, but I think McCaffrey kind of forces you into a certain build that I kind of like doing that more in existing leagues than I do startup leagues. Right. Like I, I am okay sort of paying up for uh, McCaffrey in a, in an existing league because, you know, in a trade, because, I have like, I kind of know the direction that I'm heading, right? I kind of know the things that are around him. So if, for example, McCaffrey fails, 
I know that I sort of still have the ability to contend, right? I don't know if I'm sort of do if I'm taking McCaffrey at like four overall, what the yeah. rest of the draft's going to be. So I'm kind of like, if I got the opportunity to work backwards, I'd feel a lot better about that, but you obviously don't. So I think there's a lot of different things in there. It's a lot about what, what you kind of value. I would think JT though, like JT over Hall, I think is one that I would feel pretty comfortable with. I just, I don't like buying, like if you're going to lose an entire, like if JT is the perfect running back to buy, right? You buy running backs off of injuries that aren't like sort of career threatening or don't require like a year of rehabilitation, which is what an ACL does, right? He didn't have that. And, and you buy him off of like suspension risks, right? So that's really the best time to buy running backs because they're already priced down, right? The, the problem with buying a running back is you don't want to buy them high because they're the reason that they're high was that they avoided all the injury risk, right? That's how they get to be at the top of the position. And so when they're, when they're down, right, that's actually buying at a good price because right. The reason that they're typically discounted is because they had the injuries and, you know, then, then you're not sort of baking in, you know, can't miss and at their cost. So that's kind of how I'd view those guys. Yeah. I'm kind of, like with with Jordan, I, I I found myself like in in startups being willing to pivot to to the wide receiver position more often because I feel like a lot of these elite wide receivers I think are just on a better path right now. I love Bijan Robinson. I really like Jameer Gibbs. I'm ahead on Jameer Gibbs, but I think at the end of the day, uh, Jameer Gibbs is somebody who I think is probably a little more. I think he's appropriately priced in these FFPC uh, startups. But like that whole tier of the. I think Jordan kind of nailed it. McCaffrey kind of tells your your team's story. You're taking an older running back heading into his seventh season um, this early in the startup. It kind of limits uh, your flexibility with the rest of you, of your startup build. I think that's a great way of putting it. Taylor, I I think is fine. Um, I do think that like the thought of him taking a step forward as a receiver has gone down with Richardson, and we also don't know how uh, how effective Richardson's going to be around the goal line where that might limit, you know, JT's ceiling. So I've been, I think I'm just kind of unenthusiastic about, about the range of running backs. I like taking the two rookies. Um, and then I'd be more willing to kind of take wide receiver and, and look to grab running backs a little bit later. Um, because I don't think I'm getting this incredible upside from some of the guys you listed. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in these higher stakes leagues, like those first few, few picks are huge, man. That's the direction of your team. So if you can lock up receivers, I talk about being top heavy, in those type of leagues in the FFPC, that's a perfect way to do it. You can grab three or four and then start smashing. I mean, you look at guys that are in the fourth, fifth, sixth round running backs. I mean, those are good RB1s, you know? Um, question for you guys, Jordan, I'll go to you first. You talked about Pollard. We saw Jacobs just smash last year. Najee Harris, you know, a bit of an off year. There's there's a bit of a, a hype there behind him out there. With Chubb, I mean, you know, with Hunt gone, you think that, that that's an ascending offense. Which one of these guys in the next kind of tier, Jordan, do you think could end up in this first round, maybe end, you know, end of the offseason as, as we approach the season? So that's tough because like, I don't think you're going to see a guy like Chubb go into the first round just because he's too old, right? And I don't, I just, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, you know, I would say it's always tough to kind of predict what the market will do. Right. I mean, how much more does Josh Jacobs have to do in his career to be respected because he's done basically all you could ask of him through four years. I mean, you look like in terms of, in terms of where he's at, right. You look multiple uh, guys that have finished uh, top 24 seasonal finishes, the first four years of their career and had multiple top 12 seasonal finishes along the way. 
Uh, the guys on that list, LaDainian Tomlinson, Chris Johnson, Ezekiel Elliott, Ty Gurley, Adrian Peterson, uh, amongst the first-rounders there. And uh, that group, on average, hit 3.4 more times for top 24 seasonal finishes. Right, You're looking at an absolutely elite tier of running backs. I mean, what more do you want from a running back? Right, I mean, he was – he just missed out on the opportunity to be quarterback uh, running back one this year, right? He was, he basically just fell behind, you know, in the last couple of games last year. Um, he, he's a candidate to potentially lead the position in, in uh, you know, receptions, right? He's a top three candidate for that. And he led the league in rushing last year. I mean, that's, that's what you want out of a running back, right? So I keep looking at him and I think he's been underappreciated basically his entire career. Um, so he's one for me that I just, I feel like he's basically always been underpriced. I mean, there were people that had him outside the top 20 of running backs rankings last year. I mean, that is a laughable statement. I'll give Jordan a, a lot of credit because you were saying the same thing about Josh Jacobs last year before the big spike season about how you I was probably him. obnoxious yeah. during in season, by the way. Like I was like, if, if he finishes his running back one, you're never going to hear the end of it. Mm-hmm. So I, he got to running back three, which I'll take as a win. I just think at the end of the day, I, I like they they the it's the touches you know i think that that could catch up with him it was like if you look at what he's done uh in his career and then last year was kind of like the the overwhelming amount of touches i don't know like that that always concerns me it's usually been a proper fade to fade the guy who leads the league in touches the following season it's historically you've seen some guys uh fail to hit i agree with you i think that josh jacobs has always been kind of like a guy that people don't want to draft it was a redraft thing and certainly in Dynasty, where people were kind of down on him, despite the early success as a rookie and a, and a second-year player, I do think Pollard. If the usage changes, so like Tony Pollard, like I think I feel like there's he's very polarizing right now, and I'm interested to hear Jordan's thoughts on him um, from from just a one-year perspective. But you're starting to see him really steam up in redraft, and Pollard, I think we all view as a guy with outstanding receiving upside. And I think if they lean into that this year and his targets go way up and he also sees his carries go up, it's like a, a kind of a it's a it's like a, a leap of faith usage wise. But I think it's kind of everything's kind of lining up for Pollard to have his massive career season. And I think it's quite the opposite of like the way the dynasty community views Jacobs. Like I think people really want Tony Pollard to be a thing. And I think like he's a dynamic player that I think could gain a lot of steam despite uh, being the same, you know, years in the league as as a Miles Sanders or a Josh Jacobs. And I think one interesting thing about Pollard is in terms of like his career touches, he's he's at like 550 carries for his career where, you know, he was he was playing with Zeke for so long that he doesn't have any tread on the tires. So if he does have this big like top three finish this year um, and he does take a step forward as a receiver, I think he'll gain a lot of steam in Dynasty despite you know, next year being a, a fifth year guy. Uh, here's the, here's the concern that I would have with that, right? His career in college, right? His high was 117 touches. Yeah. His career in the NFL was 232. And so on one hand, we're arguing that Jacobs was too, had too much usage. And, but we're saying that we think that Pollard and, and who, by the way, held up to it. Yeah. Uh, and, but on the other hand, we're saying that we think Pollard is going to be a guy that can, can handle that big expansion, right? That's like, I, it, they're confusing to me, right? I've been confused by what they're doing all off season because actually I'm not even confused about it. I'm just contrarian about it. I guess it's not confusing to me, but right? they're not going to run the ball more. 
right? I think that's a red herring, right? I think it's the biggest misconception about what they've done, right? You look consistently at Mike McCarthy's career in, in Green Bay every single year, five, six, seven, eight percent over passing expectation, right? I mean, that's a consistently true fact that entire decade. And then he comes to Dallas and you look in, in his career, right? Kellen Moore about one or two percent under passing expectation, right? That's just game situation expectation. So they fire Kellen Moore or part ways with him, whatever. Uh, Mike McCarthy's going to call plays, right? Who's that's going from a run centric offense to a pass centric offense. By the way, it's worth noting that Dak Prescott said that this, that the thing that's going to be better this year is the fact that receivers are going to know where to go. All I saw was him fl- that the ever when I heard that all and read that I just heard I just saw him flaming Kellen Moore right that is a that is an indictment on that is nothing more than an indictment on Kellen Moore again I thought Kellen Moore was a pretty good offensive coordinator that that spoke to me about what was actually going on there um, and, and so that's everything that you know coaching wise it's a big change to a more pass centric offense and they let Zeke walk right. They bring back Pollard, who's never again 232 career touches, and and then they do one other thing that I thought was really really interesting. They brought in Brandon Cooks, right? So if you were going to be a run centric team, that Brandon Cooks money, that Brandon Cooks type investment, that would go to someone other than Malik Davis, Deuce Vaughn, Ronald Jones in the backfield, right? I mean, you are we really going to walk into this year thinking that that this is going to be a run first, run heavy offense with like who like Deuce Vaughn is the backup running back, right? I mean, I got a hard time believing that. So, I mean, maybe I look like a fool when on August 15th, Zeke gets signed to a one-year deal and they're like, yeah, we had an agreement since March, right? Or whatever, right? That he was just going to, you know, he would get basically the offseason off and come in, we'd sign him to a, you know, a deal, whatever, right? They had a wink, wink, nod, nod type deal. Um, but I don't see how this is like, this seems like an odd situation from a, from like that, everything that you would do if you're going to run the ball more, they have done the exact opposite. Yeah, so, I don't. I don't. I agree with you. I I think like on paper they're a they're a team that looks like they're going to open things up more. Yeah. It's just the it's like the conception of like this is what Mike McCarthy is. This is why we got away from Kellen Moore, which is um, not true, right? Yeah. Like it's a conception again. And this is a funny thing. Like when Dynasty, when we get these in 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 fantasy in general and life in general, when you get these conceptions that sort of everyone believes is true but has no actual factual basis, right? That's a great way to go. Like that's a great bet to bet mm-hmm. against. Right. I mean, that's that's just like that's handing you value. So like I look at like some of the props and stuff. I know we're talking fantasy and dynasty, but like the props and stuff on like Dak Prescott, like to lead the league and pass like those things are really interesting because I, I don't I think that people read the McCarthy quotes. You know, we need to run the damn ball and that sort of stuff. But that's that has never been who he was. Never. So I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting. I think it's an interesting. I mean, it's the same reason why I'm, I like Dak Prescott a lot this year. I think Dak's a value. And I also think that it's interesting. You bring up Brandon Cook's. The fact that Dalton Schultz, like the tight end position seems like they're not going to be as leaning on the tight end just based on the personnel, whereas it seems like Cooks is kind of the clear number two target. And for me, the the, the case for Pollard is also that they're going to need to use him as a receiver more out of the backfield. I mean, that's the upside case for him, JD. It's it's not necessarily the carries. It's He's an extremely efficient back that um, is incredibly efficient and also looks like the kind of guy that could could crush if he sees those necessary targets. So I'm on yeah. Pollard, but I get it. Like uh, Jordan, I hear your arguments, and I know there's some sharp people like Adam Harstead 
is like a big anti-Pollard right now uh, at, at cost. And I think he's usually very smart on these kind of things. So I'm I'm very pro on Pollard, but I do understand the risks. You're 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 take anytime that you want a guy to take a massive increase in terms of touches, mm-hmm. it's a risk. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think he's especially with very little behind him. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's the thing. They, and like you said, that to me that says a lot. Even though even if they do bring another guy, just zero investment behind him. So hopefully Pollard Pollard was the first name that stood out. I'm with Nick uh, J.K. Dobbins. I mean, we're already seeing Ramondre stocks maybe going down with with dalvin rumors of dalvin signing there so i think like as the dominoes fall with these these free agents that we're talking about we're going to start seeing movement especially in this because you, you know you look at Etienne, you look at eckler walker jacobs we talked about like Najee. these guys have, have all been up there they've all been top running backs or, or at least seen we've seen potential so you could tell a story in any of these guys to move up before the end of the season but i think to me the biggest determining factor is going to be those injuries um, Devonte Adams is a guy, I mean, he's going into his 10 year, 10th year now, and we all know how productive he's been came in late, but when he came in, he came in hard and, you know, with or without Rogers, he's been a beast. Now he's going from Derek Carr to Olympic limping Jimmy G, which, which is, you know, and maybe another reason to like Jacobs because Jimmy G is not exactly, you know, putting time in right now with the team and full healthy, but Adams as the wide receiver 17 in FFPC dynasty. And then Mike Evans, who holds the record for nine straight seasons, over a thousand yards since he entered the NFL. No wide receiver in NFL history has had 10 seasons with that milestone. He's going as the wide receiver 43. Are these guys, guys that you like at ADP Jordan right now, are they guys you're targeting if you're a contender or are these, do you see warning signs right now with these two, you know, guys that have put up numbers, but are approaching kind of the, the back end of their career, we could say. Yeah, I mean, aging wide receivers are the easiest value in Dynasty, right? I mean, Keenan Allen types. I mean, and at the cost of like, I mean, what does Mike Evans have to do to pay off that cost? I mean, if he stays healthy, he's going to pay off that cost, right? I mean, it, it, um, yeah, I actually think that Tampa Bay has kind of played this intelligently. Uh, you know, they had to reset the books on their clock. They had to reset the clock on their books. You know, they took all the dead money and stuff like they're they're upside down because of the Brady era. It won them a championship. They were smart to do it and they tried to keep that window open. Now they're paying the price for it. But it's a smart like I don't know if it works out, but it's a smart bet to take a shot on a guy that was the number one pick in the NFL draft in like, I don't know. 36 months ago was thought of really highly. And then it has gone really bad since then injuries. Like he hasn't gotten full off seasons and then he's getting like, you know, he's getting to the team on Tuesday and starting basically starting on Thursday. I mean, none of that stuff was like great. I mean, Carolina was a dumpster fire last year in terms of their play calling decisions and all that stuff. So the last, like the, I would say the last, like, I don't know, 25 games or so of Baker Mayfield's career have been pretty bad. Um, but there's some stuff there that you can look and say, hey, listen, like Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, right? Like you sort of reset the clock with some with some professional wide receivers, which he didn't really have last year. And, you know, you you there's some stuff to like at a Rashad White. Like they've got they've got some some different pieces there where you could say, like, this is actually a spot where Baker Mayfield could actually perform kind of middle of the pack at the quarterback position because i think he's capable of that it's just been a bad like it's been a really bad stretch and if you're not the number one pick in the draft you have a hard time surviving that but he is and he's getting the chance to bounce back i mean if if we see 2020 baker mayfield mike evans could could be really good right there's some stuff in mike evans's profile that 
I, I don't think people appreciate just how how much Brady inflated the passing game there just by a not taking sacks and b not scrambling. I mean, they just threw the ball everywhere. And again, I don't think they were particularly good at it last year. And I think he was probably past. Right? I think it was wasn't the best form of Brady. Um, but there was just a ton of shots on goal in that offense, right? The problem with Baker is that's not going to be quite as much as I think what's going to happen. Um, so you have some of that stuff where I think maybe Evans's metrics are a little overinflated and maybe he is aging a little bit more. Um, but I still think he's plenty capable of like 120, 130 targets. And again, if you get a good Baker season, right, that, that price on all the risk is already baked into Evans's price, all of it. So if you get anything resembling competent quarterback play and Mike Evans stays healthy, he's going to smash that cost. And I'll agree with you, Jordan, on the just Tampa Bay in general. Um, they're, no one wants to draft bucks in, in redraft and in best ball, and it's starting to trickle down into the dynasty streets. But I think they're going to be way more consolidated than they were with Brady, where you think of Brady spreading the ball around, getting other people involved, where I think that Godwin, Evans, and Rashad White it's it's just a it's a clear pecking order, clear roles, and you also have the fact that they're not going to target the running back position um, quite at the level, certainly not at the level they did under Brady. So I, I think Evans is fine. I think Godwin is a value, and I'll say I agree with Jordan. I think that the the the, the big four veteran wide receivers, you have a, a real edge if you're a sharp dynasty player because there are certain managers who just do not know how to to manage these guys. Like the Tyreek Hills, the Stefan Diggs, the Cooper Cups, and the Devontae Adams, that tier of players, they all averaged over 18 points per game last year. They showed no signs of decline. They're all in good spots. And there are certain dynasty managers will have a, a wide range of views with them where some guys value them as elite. Some guys want to get out because of the old AJ packs. <clears throat> it's it's very odd. Like I had a trade for, for Cooper Cup in an FFPC league where I traded Terry McLaurin and Chickaconquo for, for Cooper wow. Cup. So nice. it's like, you know, mm-hmm. and then you see these kind of weird trades occasionally with Devontae Adams now. Um, <clears throat> like Tyreek Hill, I think, is a little bit more difficult to acquire, but there are still certain people that, despite that incredible usage last year, are saying, you know, look at his age. I want to get out. And I think that that's a very, very exploitable edge for, for dynasty managers. The other thing, can I just point out like one thing about Evans again, I'm just uh, conspiracy Jordan, just entering the chat here for a second, uh, $23.7 million cap hit this year. And he's a free agent next year. They did. They basically restructured a lot of guys. They did a lot of things this off season. The one thing, the one glaring thing that they did not do was restructure Mike Evans, extend Mike Evans, do anything like that. If there's an injury in this preseason or maybe, maybe it doesn't even take an injury, right? Maybe there's something else that happens, right? Maybe there's a, a team that just gets in a training camp and says, Hey, we don't have what we want. Right. You know, and, and I don't know, Gabe Davis gets hurt in Buffalo, just spitting out. Names, right. Like, isn't this a situation where like Mike Evans could be available. Right. And I, I think that again, the, the cap number is a bit high for someone to make that trade, but there's ways to make that work, right? There's certainly ways that, that um, to make that work, uh, to bring that cap number down. He doesn't have guaranteed salary. So there's like wiggle room there on some of that stuff. Um, I just, I would be, um, I, I don't, I think it's a non-zero possibility at this point in the off season. Yeah. I like both those guys. I just took Evans in the ninth round of the fishbowl. Um, 
I, I, I like you guys said, man, the the value with on those older. I mean, look at last year, Lockett just smashed for people. Yeah. Uh, people are saying, oh yeah, DK is gonna you know take over. Um, you can get value there, especially in dynasty, because you know age is always the, the factor. Jordan, you were on the show back in May, and you stated that you don't necessarily pick favorites between rookie wide receivers. I don't know if you remember that. Yep. If you do, maybe explain. That sounds like something audience. I would say. Sounds like something you'd say. <laughs> just, just, I thought it was interesting just, you know, as, as we've had time to digest, sit on the, the receivers that are there. Explain to the audience what you meant and maybe add if there's a rookie receiver that's grown on you a bit since, uh, since our show in May. Yeah, so, I, so one of the things that I think is really important, and I, I think this is important basically across Dynasty, and I think this time of year particularly so, is just to understand kind of base rates, which is a lot of the stuff that I talk about in the dynasty team building guide, right? When you're talking about the book earlier, that's what you're referring to. Um, it, when you just look at the rounds of NFL drafts, right? There's a certain hit rate that goes with them, right? So for, for the first round of the NFL draft, wide receivers about 55% of the time will produce a top 24 seasonal finish, right? About 55% of those receivers or so. Um, so that's kind of the marker I use so that way you have some sort of concrete number to think about, right? It's not the end all be all. It's not a perfect number, but, but that's just a good sort of target to shoot at. One of the things you, you understand about uh, the first round and in, in rounds in general, right? When you start looking at these numbers, the order of which they go off the board has not been predictive within the draft. And the order which they go off in Dynasty ADP, also not predictive uh, when you sort of sort between those rounds. So what does that mean? That means that if if a, you know the market's really high on one specific first round wide receiver, uh, and in a guy is sliding rounds and rounds and rounds later, right? There's probably there's the market has not consistently been good at making that choice. Okay, the, when the market pushes someone up at wide receiver within the same round as other alternative guys, that's not a decision that we've gotten right a lot um, or more or predictively going forward. So I would I caution on that. Right. So how does this come into play in a startup earlier this offseason? Uh, Jordan Addison goes in like the sixth or seventh round range. And so I'm kind of sitting there end of the ninth, early part of the 10th round. Uh JSN, Quentin Johnston, Jordan Addison were gone rounds and rounds and rounds before. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I don't really love Zay Flowers, but I'll take him. Right. I'm, you know, and I'm not a build through youth wide receiver type of dynasty GM that much. But when those opportunities present themselves, like that's the discount you take. Right. There's been key opportunities of this that have happened recently, like Justin Jefferson, for example, was the fourth guy off. You know, like you consistently look, it's not really like, it, the, the guys, once you sort of account for what round they're in, right, the order which they go off the draft has not been great. So um, Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, both fell very far in their respective draft classes as well. So you just kind of look at those things. And I just I instead of trying to pick which one I really like, I just say, let's just take the one that falls. And um, and I think that's a better way to go about it. So that's kind of my that's kind of my approach. I think that that's a that's a like you've talked about this before. And I think it's a it's a sharp way of playing you're getting a a discount of essentially the same the same asset uh historically i i like taking stands a little bit more on some of these wide receivers i like but i do agree that there's like a a certain disconnect now in redraft and in dynasty with zay flowers versus those guys i mean zay flowers was certainly mega producer in college and he landed into an offense that's going to score a lot of points and the the two wide receivers around him 
I think there's a perception that there's like a like a log jam at receiver. But you know how these <laughs> things work, JD. In a couple months, it could be three months, and Zay Flowers is like way way ahead of 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 Bateman and and obviously ahead of Odell. One highlight deal. That's all one highlight. That's no all it takes. Yeah. No one highlight, you know, with, with the perfect uh, whatever cutoff shirt or perfect. Zay Fla- or, and Zay Flowers, like from like a highlight perspective, mm-hmm. some of those, some of the plays he made at Boston College, it looks stupid. It was like yeah. Debo Samuel type stuff that where he's running around people and he's, he's very, very impressive with the ball in his hands. You know, it's interesting, <laughs> like when you are asking about which profiles that I like better, you know, is there a guy that I like? I, I think there's a, like, there's a menu to choose from. Right. Like which guy has the best opportunity to be the wide receiver one on his team this year? Zay Flowers. Right. Which is the one that has the best opportunity to be uh, a number one on his team next year? Right. I think it's Quentin Johnston. Right. Like when you when you look at him, like both Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, like just absolutely unreasonable cap numbers. There's no way that they're back on those numbers. Uh, both guys will be, you know, I think, I think at that point, Williams will be either late. It'll be 29 or 30. Uh, Allen's older than that. Right. And they're going to have to pay for uh, Herbert as well. Right. So like, you're going to see a, a turnover in that offense, right? That's a really interesting chance if you want to be patient there. And maybe that opportunity comes quicker than we think. And I think the other thing, like, like you look at Jackson Smith and Jigba and Jordan, and Jordan Addison at the other two first round wide receivers, Addison's probably never going to be the wide receiver one on his team, at least anytime in the near future, because Justin Jefferson's going to be there. And Jackson Smith and Jigba, I liked him probably the best of the receivers coming in. But again, I don't pick a ton of favorites. That's not a good landing spot, right? You're playing behind Tyler Lockett, who's got, uh, you know, a pretty secure contract through the end of next year, right? That that doesn't make a ton of sense to cut him, right? He's he has a it's it's not a contract that makes a ton of sense to move on from from for the, from Seattle's perspective. You have a cheap quarterback relative to the to the other really good quarterbacks, and you got DK Metcalf there, right? Like that's a, it's a really hard place I think to carve out like a number one or number two, you know, or or a high end number two in terms of target role right now so i think it's interesting sort of what you want to choose again i just kind of take the one that's the cheapest and say that's that's fine by me and, and that's without considering gino is not necessarily proven like not long term you know what i mean like we've seen one mm-hmm. season out of him where he's he's a starting quarterback so again adding to uh to that situation so one receiver situation where we have rookie versus vet when you're looking at adp is in denver let's do a quick otc guys rapid fire and then we'll move on to the next position I'll go to Theo first. Theo, Cortland Sutton or Marvin Mims? Wide receiver 49 and 50 right now. Give me give me Marvin Mims. Man. I've seen I've seen Cortland Sutton. I've seen this the ceiling for Cortland Sutton, and I think it's a Jerry Judy leading this receiver core. I know that there's some people back on a Cortland Sutton bounce back, and I think stylistically it could happen. But at the end of the day, I like Marvin Mims. And I think that Marvin Mims, like we're talking about a team that was dead last in points per game last year. And Marvin Mims can do a lot of things. And I think Marvin Mims has elite speed, and I think he's going to be on the field a lot. Um, I know that there is a probably uh Jordan has Jordan might have a pushback on this one, but I'm I'm uh, I'm on does. the I'm on the Mims side. Um yeah, you know, I, I was kind of bullish on on Cortland Sutton going into last year, right? You looked at some of the stuff like uh, you know, air yards that were um, you know, under 
you know, that, that he basically didn't capitalize on the year prior, right? So you'd be going 2021 season. And when he was entering 2022, right, there was a lot of stuff in there that said, hey, quarterback upgrade, he could be the guy that benefits. Really didn't turn out to be true. Um, yeah, I think maybe it's just a, like he's not an efficient wide receiver, right? I, I kind of thought that for a while. Uh, and then I kind of got baited into last year, like thinking that he could be the Cooper Cup guy last year. Um, I would reset the clock and take Marvin Mims. That's kind of the thought that I say. And they have a log jam too. Like they're paying a like they haven't paid Judy yet, but they've got Tim Patrick, they've got Sutton, they double down and draft Marvin Mims, and they're probably gonna have to pay Judy, right? At some point in the next 24 months. I mean, someone's gonna be expendable, and I don't know what the bounce back market for Sutton is gonna be. Yeah, it's he's like a he's a false alpha. Like the, I think people wanted him to be something he wasn't, and I think that you know at the end of the day, this new coaching staff has has no loyalty to him. And you also have the the Greg Dulcich factor, where some of the things they're talking about using him in like this Joker role, and uh, you know he was a converted wide receiver in college. So I don't know. I, I'm I, I worry about Cortland Sutton kind of returning value in in any format right now. You know who you know who you want as your coach if you're going to turn. A tight end and no joker role the guy that made jimmy graham a first ballot hall of famer right there you go that's that's the guy that you want to say right there's other people right if urban meyer says it if other people say that you're like okay i'll call i'll call bs you pick sean payton to be that guy and say okay like i'm interested right like that's interesting and there was some stuff with again everything kind of went off the rails last year for Denver. Um, actually, I was doing some stat research. Uh, I was getting a little geeky on it. If you look at Russell Wilson's performance last year, it wasn't good. But if he had just not had horrendous luck in the red zone, he would have been like no one probably would have talked about it that much um, from at least from a fantasy perspective, because he underproduced like he had half of the touchdown rate that he historically has just going down into the red zone right inside the 10. Right? He's north of 40 percent of his targets are going in there. It was in the 20s last year. I mean, it's just in and, and that entire offense had the feel of two guys, right, a boss and a subordinate showing up at uh, at, at work on the same day and neither one of them can figure out how to turn the lights on. Right? I mean, that's just exactly what that offense had. I don't think you're going to have that problem with Sean Payton, and I think a lot of guys can capitalize. I just think that Sutton's kind of proven who he is. Right? He was really exciting at the beginning of his career at SMU. People really liked him in Debbie. He got kind of this name recognition, and he just has not really ever been the guy I think that we thought that he was. Uh, and why, enough, why, let, uh, why let Russell Wilson uh, cook when you can get field goal attempts from Brendan McManus? It was sort of the, the, the Nathaniel Hackett era in a nutshell. But it's so funny because remember that when that happened, everyone was up in an uproar. And that was the best game that Russell Wilson had all season. Right? From there on, it was downhill. And it was almost one of those things like, did he know? Did he know that Russell Wilson like was like it was fraudulent? Like, was that why he did that? And we just we were sort of on the on board with Russell Wilson's like this guy. And again, I was, too. Um, but he that actually that decision was a reflection of like, I don't trust him. And what we saw over the course of the season was a whole lot of reasons not to trust him. I, I, I go back to that decision and I wonder, like, if you could get true serum in him and, you know, get a few beers in him to tell you the actual truth about that situation, I'd be curious to hear his actual opinion on it. Guys, we got to, as usual, we, we like to stretch it in the district and we got to stick on schedule. I know, Theo, uh, you give us a little bit of a leeway with the time, but uh, we do want to be respectful. Guys, let's switch over to quarterback. Theo, we talked on this very channel 
I want to say back in December or January about how we were going to see quarterbacks going in the second round of drafts by this time of year. And I mean, pretty much nailed it across the board. Are we overvaluing quarterback right now? I know in a 12-50 QB startup, you've got in round two, right? You've got guys like Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes. Theo, I'll go to you first. Are we overvaluing quarterback, you think, at these ADPs, or is this where they belong? I think that the truly, truly elite quarterbacks give your team an edge. And also in FFPC, JD, you never see these guys getting moved. Um, like a, and we Jordan's Jordan's talked uh, it, it makes very, very good arguments for the value of the elite quarterback in Superflex. How those kind of guys you can't really uh, put a price tag on. You know, he's talked about his willingness to overpay for them. He has some really wonderful ideas about it. But I think even in a single QB world, uh, those truly elite guys offer do offer you an edge. And JD, like in terms of like the the hit rates for when you start looking at like some of the running backs when you get past the elite tier, there's going to be some guys that fail in dynasty startups. It happens. You're going to talk about some wide receivers get pushed up. Um, and in FFPC, sometimes tight ends get pushed up and they don't always return value. Um, I'm still not really one who would do it, but I know like the rankings we have, the dynasty rankings we have for single QB at player profiler uh, kind of show where you should be taking these quarterbacks and, and they're pretty high up there. Like the, the Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts kind of like God tier. And then Lamar Jackson's kind of getting, getting pulled in there. They give your team an advantage and they also, uh, are more likely to hit than a lot of the players around them in other positions. So I can understand it. I'm just, for me, I'm, I usually, that's not the way I like to build in single QB, but I think it makes some sense. Jordan, how do you feel about it? I mean, when you start looking at like post Jefferson and post chase, again, we talked about all the reasons to have concerns about quarterback or about running backs up there. Right. And I think what you end up seeing again, I'm the wide receivers from like three to 10, like, I like them, but again, that's not a place where I'm picking a ton of favorites. Like I have my favorites, like the Egyptian God of targets. I love them. Right. I'm in Ross St. Brown, but um, I just, I don't, um, it's tough to justify picking one of them at five when you could wait and pick one of them at 12 at, at, you know, seven or eight picks later. And I just, it's, I think it's hard to do that. And then you, so you come back to that and you say, all right, well, is, does that make it, does that make sense to take Mahomes instead? Right. And I think that there's a compelling argument to do it. I mean, I think there's a compelling argument to take Mark Andrews really high too. We're going to do a quick OTC and then we'll go to a question from the chat. And these guys are, I mean, they're close in every draft that I've been in. Jordan, Jordan, do you prefer Jordan Love, Geno Smith, or Kenny Pickett? Geno Smith. Theo? Geno Smith. What's the format too? I think the format, it doesn't really matter in this question, but as much because I would probably take them no matter what, but in a one quarterback, right? You're looking for, right? You don't care if you miss because it's a largely replaceable position. What you're trying to do is take an elite swing. And I think Gino has that in the bag, right? I think he has that capability because of the weapons. We saw what he could do last year, you know, and actually we saw it, by the way, we did see it in 2021 for a period of time as well. It was, he was pretty darn good. I just don't think people gave him any credit because he stepped in as a backup, right? Like there's a real chance there that that contract they signed with him is an elite deal by the time, you know, a couple years of that thing plays out. Deal. I mean, I, I love Gino this year and I liked him last year. And uh, I think people need to kind of like check their biases. It's a, it's a later career breakout, yeah. but you know, they, they added, 
they Gino Gino gets paid, and then they go and draft Jackson Smith and Jigba, and then they add another talented running back. So it's like they're adding weapons for him. Yeah, and and he looked good last year. There's it's a simple game. Just take the the quarterback we, we've seen. Yeah, we talked about it last week with Matt. It's almost like all the signs are there, right, for him to, yeah. to have a good season. He carried one of my teams last year. Yeah, uh, like you said, those one QBs you can pick them up off the uh, waivers. Let's go to the tight end position really quick here to finish this off. After the top four, Jordan, you've got Kelsey Pitts, Mandrews, and of course TJ Hawk. Who's your tight end five? Um. I mean, that's another spot where I don't think the difference between five and 10 is probably worth ever paying. Right. I mean, I mean, if Kittle, if I had to take one, but again, like what's the difference between like Kittle or Goddard and, and Evan Ingram? I mean, it's not really that much. It's not going to really move the needle for you um, all that much. I mean, I still think like Andrews for me is the tight end one and I, I wouldn't really flinch on that. Um, I think Mark Andrews, Mark Andrews is on a list of a couple of people that are active right now that could produce the best tight end season of all time. It's basically him, Kelsey and Kittle um, that could, that's capable of doing that from their metrics. And you look at every single season of his career, they've been below passing expectation. The only season that they were close to an even passing situation was the year he finished his tight end one. And so, and every other tight end one is finished as like, you know, six to 8% above passing expectation and Todd Munkin in every year has been above passing expectation. So you kind of do the math. Um, I would spend a ton to move from five to Andrews, but I would spend a lot to make that move. Right. That's, that's the thing that I would think about doing, or I would try to not take a tight end there and, and go to that, that Evan Ingram, uh, David Joku tier. I feel like Dan Williamson is here in spirit. Uh, because the, you ask a George Kittle question, and I'll take George Kittle for this one. Jordan brings up his upside, um, you know, with the fact that he, he could produce such a such a. I mean, he's the 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 potential Travis Kelsey type season. He's finished second, fourth, third, first, and third in points per game at the position. There's uh, there's you know competition for touches and targets in that offense. And he's getting a little bit older, but he's shown no signs of decline. Um, and he's the kind of guy that could have a smash week that could win you the championship and and push you through the playoffs with like a really strong steam. So I, I think he's shown a, a much higher ceiling than we've seen from Goddard. Um, and you know, Engram I like, but I don't I don't see him as a Kittle. So I'll go Kittle. Yeah, I mean Kittle's my guy. You guys know how much I, he's my favorite player in the NFL. But fantasy wise, he's like you said, he's the one guy that can stand up to those two top guys that you talk about in Mandrews and in Kelsey. I called him last year going into the second half as a potential league winner, and he definitely loved, loved, won leagues for people, especially in tight end premium. I think people sleep on George Kittle um, with the the whole too many mouths to feed in in San Fran. He's a big part of that offense, and that's not going to stop. So he's easily my my five as well. Jordan, we're hearing a lot of hype now with Kincaid. And I know Theo is a big fan of Kincaid, you know, in Buffalo for even even year one, uh, 2023. How bullish are you on the tight end? You know, we're hearing him play as a receiver. How high can Fantasyland expect him to perform in his first season in Buffalo? Um, yeah, that's one of the things I actually did in the team building guide was was look at that kind of expectation. Right. And when you start looking at what tight ends and what you can expect from them, you can sort again, a lot of the base rate stuff that we talked about, it, it keeps you from making sort of bad mistakes would be kind of the like way that I would sort of frame that. 
uh, and it keeps and it helps you avoid making you know, getting in trouble, right? When you look on average, first round tight ends produce, uh, run 303 routes as rookies. Uh, when you look, uh, that's, tw- that's, uh, actually 21.5 a game. So again, not a ton there, 2.6 receptions on average, the average, uh, tight end first round tight end 6.9 points per game as a rookie. So again, that's dangerous, right? I think the thing that to kind of consider, uh, Evan Ingram, right, to really start his career, right? When you look at actually his his numbers, uh, he averaged uh, on a on a uh, you know he he through his first three seasons of his career was really like the best tight end, uh, first round tight end in the last fifteen years, and he averaged four and a half receptions per game, and he averaged uh, you know it was um, fifty one point nine receiving yards per game. That's the best tight end really the last 15 years to start in the first three years of their career temper your expectations right temper your expectations yeah that's that's kind of how i see it go ahead defend actually, your case defend no, your case Theo. i actually think that the the market has kind of gone down a little bit on kincaid there was a, a lot of steam in like the early drafts but now he's kind of in a range where there's a number of guys that that people are betting on to to take a big step forward and he's right there and and the thing about kincaid is we get the elite offense and I don't think you can view him kind of like in the traditional sense because you bring up Evan Ingram. I think that's a that's a, a fine comparison because I think that he's going to be used as a move tight end. I think they are going to use him in the slot and they haven't added anything at wide receiver. So at the end of the day, like I'm I'm willing to bet on Kincaid and I'm willing to bet on his role increasing as the season moves along. Um, so I think he's appropriately priced um, kind of in these like FFPC redraft streets and then in terms of dynasty, I think this is what what they want, and I think he's the kind of player that projects. And you know, I'll, I'll say I think he could end up being like a Zach Ertz like player, and I think that the Bills want him to be a big thing for them. So I'm I'm taking shots on him in dynasty, and then I'm taking a lot of shots on him in best ball redraft wise. It, it all depends on the build, JD, but he's in a range now that's somewhat affordable in terms of FFPC. Does does Knox become a value for you, Theo? I meant to ask you this, or is he just completely dead to you? I like Knox, and I don't like the whole like better in best ball type arguments for players. Yeah. I think it's kind of a cheap cop out, and we don't want to say people like don't want to take stands on guys. I don't like using Knox in in redraft. I think this year, especially with the addition of Kincaid, I think Knox becomes a very touchdown dependent guy. Um, if it's like an underdog or an FFPC best ball, I'll, I'll I can I'll, I don't have a problem adding Knox where he's at, but Knox has never been a guy who's been able to command a ton of targets. And I think Kincaid does have that in his profile. So I wonder on Knox uh, taking a step back in terms of targets and becoming even more touchdown dependent. We've got uh, Nick asking where the Dulcich talk is. So I'm going to give a quick OTC to Jordan. Jordan was all about Dulcich. Uh, was talking him up, Nick. We're going you know? to yeah. talk about him right now. So you're on the clock, Jordan. We've got tight end premium, FFPC, Dynasty Draft. Do you want Evan Ingram, David Njoku, Chig Okonkwo, or Greg Dulcich? Evan Ingram quickly. I like that. Evan Ingram. Yeah. By the way, if it, you got to, you got to distinguish between which uh, Dawson Knox you're getting, are you getting September through November Dawson Knox? Or are you getting December Dawson Knox? Cause they're two totally different players, right? In terms of like Dawson, De- December Dawson Knox is like a top five guy, it, you know, any other time of the year, he's not a top 25 guy, but in December, like lock and load. He likes the weather up up in upstate New York by you guys. I don't know what he's thinking. The, I don't um, like it, and I'm from it, here. 
Evan Engram is the is the answer though for the last question. Pretty pretty clearly. Yeah, especially with that nice new nifty uh, contract. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Last question to to end this, Jordan. Your favorite late round tight end. So I'm talking like tight end twenty or later. Um, I mean Higby's going like super late in dynasty. I find interesting, right? I mean he's basically going to be the the second best option in that passing game, and we saw that what that was last year was pretty darn good. Um, so like he's kind of the answer on those, right? I think Hunter Henry's interesting as well. Um, I think Mike Gesicki's a terrible football player so i'm in on hunter henry as being a guy that i think could bounce back just i mean they were just so awful last year no player in the nfl has got a bigger upgrade this offseason than mac jones going from matt patricia being his offensive coordinator bill o'brien like i get i think hunter henry's underappreciated he's going so deep in some of these startup drafts that it's just it's i mean i, I just find myself hitting the button of higby and uh hunter henry and tight end premium a lot I like Gerald Everett where he's going, JD. I think he's like tight end 25, tight end 26 in FFPC Dynasty startups. Um, and I thought he looked good last year. And we like the offense he's in. So for, for at that price, I'll, I'll take some shots. Guys, 6'7", 250 pounds, and 6'4", and 244 at quarterback. I have hearts in my eyes for Jelani Woods out there in Indy. I mean, the athletic freak convention that's going on there, you throw Alec Pearson in there. Give me Jelani Woods going as, like, I'm in the fishbowl, and I think he was, like, the last usable tight end drafted, and I could not believe it. To me, that's huge, huge value. So go get your Woods bags filled uh, while he's still cheap because once uh, we start seeing those Richardson, you know, highlights, which you know we're going to see a bunch this as we get into camp, uh, Woods is going to be part of that, and dude's an athletic freak. So you know the, the you know you see some visuals, people get excited. So he might climb up a bit, get him while he's cheap. Guys, loaded show tonight. We almost had to do a part two, Theo, but I really wanted to you know squeeze uh, everything Jordan had in tonight for the for the people. You guys were awesome in the chat, man. We appreciate all you guys. Actually, I lie. Let me do one. What I'll do is. Jordan, I'll let you tell the people where they can find you, what you, where they can get the analytics of Dynasty and find all the goodness that you're dropping um, right now. And we're going to answer a quick Dynasty question because I believe I never got to it and I said I would. Do you want Brees Hall, okay. Garrett Wilson, or Diggs and Aaron Jones this year and in Dynasty? Say that again. Brees Hall and Garrett, Garrett Wilson, Wilson. Diggs and Aaron Jones. So he's saying this year and in Dynasty. Um, Diggs and Aaron Jones this year, and the other two in Dynasty. Yeah, it's pretty. I, I like that. Nice and easy. Yeah. So remind the peeps where they can get the book. It's awesome book. Um, they can get it right online, and then anything else you want uh, them to check out next little bit. Yeah, I'm kind of going through this thing where I'm I'm nervous about Garrett Wilson. So that's there's foundations for that, but you can find all the hate mail on my uh, Twitter, which is at McNamara Dynasty. You can go to Analytics of Dynasty. You get the Dynasty Team Building Guide. That's basically the I've written five of these now, um, and the Dynasty Team Building Guide is kind of the um, like the first one that I've kind of done had it all weaved together in like a strategy right there's a lot of other there was a lot of strategy in the other ones but it wasn't really tightly weaved in a in a in a concise sort of uh you know theory of the case if you will uh so this one does that kind of top to bottom you know one of the proudest things that i had in this entire process of aod which is uh, again this is his fifth year um i had two subscribers right to my website uh actually write chapters for me 
uh, and I was super proud about how they wrote what they wrote uh, and, and basically seeing, you know, especially one who was a brand new dynasty player when I had first met him, you know, just to see the growth in him. So there's those stories that are in there. They're great. Uh, and then you can go over to the analytics dynasty.com. Uh, hey, we have a subscription over there uh, and I do daily podcasts. They have tiers, all that sort of stuff. Uh, you can subscribe there. We have a group meet chat that's always going on um, and, and good discussions. Then check out the dynasty uh, think tank, me and Chad, um, are just trying some some different things right we had the football guy show and that that ended and we said we can't stop talking on tuesday night so here we are doing dynasty think tank and uh, and you know enjoying that a lot so uh go check out those those platforms yeah i'm glad you guys kept it going because i really enjoyed that show uh just that the format the flow of it it's it's relaxed but it's dynasty you know like it's real dynasty i i i first and 15th are some guys that you can find right here on this very channel uh, tomorrow night similar to me just really comfortable and always always look forward to those shows so i'm glad you've you've got it uh continued guys go check it out make sure you're, you're following jordan on on twitter and and uh, go check out the analytics of dynasty theo we uh we're fresh off of matt kelly we got jordan tonight um davenport we've got drew davenport lined up um in the next couple of weeks and and you know we got some nice big drafts coming up that, that we're doing so a lot of exciting things why don't you let the peeps know uh, what you have coming up on the channel i was gonna say theo jordan might be the the one guy that podcasts almost as much as you do uh on a, on a he goes daily man i mean he's killing yeah we're, we're we're pretty busy at player profiler but i will say like some cool stuff in the, in the goat district um we are going to defend our pros versus joe's uh title uh, we're, we're drafting a week from Sunday, correct, JD? Yes. The 30th. So we're going to probably, we're, last year we, 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 uh, it was like a Mandela effect where we <laughs> remembered things differently and, uh, we actually didn't stream it, but we used StreamYard to like communicate instead of like Google meet. So the four of us were on here, but we won the whole thing and we didn't record it. So we're going to, we're going to do it this year, Dan and Andrew and JD and I, and we'll, we'll, we won't curse. We won't be critical of anybody else. Um, you know, we'll be we'll be a little tighter, but we're not going to do it live because that would be a disadvantage. So we'll pre-record that, and then we're doing something very cool uh, next week at Player Profiler. We're doing crossover week, which is going to be, um, and this actually might be the first podcast this is being announced on. Yeah. But crossover week, we're going to swap uh, podcast hosts for a number of our big shows, and we're also going to do something pretty awesome where the deep end, the goat district, and first and fifteen are we're all going head to head in a in a players championship on on FFPC, and we're going to all record our own versions of the same draft. It's going to be like some very highbrow, uh, highbrow draft draft content. It'll be very cool. Um, and then we're also going to we're also going to uh, do have like JD said. There's a number of shows, and I'll say Dan and JD are crushing it with the Owners Lounge. If you're looking for more Dynasty content. Um, so stick with the goat district on the podcast side and on the YouTube side. And then for me, uh, first class fantasy with Billy Muzio, we're dropping shows, uh, most Thursdays we will be on tomorrow. Uh, and then, uh, press coverage. I'm it's going well. We've had a number of, it's my own solo pod, uh, that I'm dropping another one on Friday with Rich Rebar and then Sonic truth. Uh, that's every Tuesday. And then I've been filling in for Billy Muzio, who's a very busy guy on man versus machine. So I'm doing that as well. So we're, we're, we're just we're just constantly crushing. on here. Yeah, just we're just crushing. constantly on here, man. Just crushing. You, you guys know where to find it. Player profiler. You know where to find Goat District. Go check and shout it out. out and shout out to Jordan. If you want to hear Jordan's thoughts, Jordan does a Patrick Mahomes. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Video and article, and he does it in a very strong way in the world famous draft kit. JD also crushed it with his J.K. Dobbins uh, write up. So 
we've uh, a lot of people have purchased them. They're really, really enjoying it. Um, it. It's turned out really, really well. And we're also adding like things to it constantly. We're doing our ADP movers. So it's like the draft kit that continues to give you information. Uh, we do these ADP movers. You're going to start seeing those, um, you know, coming out like pretty much every single day now, which is like a nice little article on a player on a specific team that's seen as ADP either shoot up or shoot down for specific reasons. Um, you can use the code Theo and get $10 off. There you go. You had to throw in the I code. felt cheating on that, by the way. I, I, I almost wanted to say like, Patrick Mahomes, quarterback one, don't do stupid things. <laughs> but I just know you were th- you were thorough and very much analytical, like you always are, and and you did a great job. And we really appreciate you guys participating. I think that's one of the most special things about the draft kit is we have all these unique uh, perspectives and voices sharing their thoughts on players. It's it's super cool, and uh, it was a lot of work, and uh, it's still a lot of work. But it was really like seeing the final product is is awesome. Oh, that was a first. I just had something crawling up my leg as I was sitting here and I just whacked it and I, I thought like, you oh, spilled coffee. Crawl, crawl, crawl away. Oh, little, little you never know. Action. Canada, man. You never know. You never know, JD. You never know. I'm in the forest up here, man. It's, you never yeah. know what's going to crawl in or crawl out. But uh, no, tonight was awesome, guys. Make sure you check out the OG Fantasy. You know where to find them all over Player Profiler. McNamara Dynasty uh, as well on, on the Twitter machine. I'm at JD Goat District, you guys have been awesome. Make sure you tune in every Wednesday night right here at 9 p.m. Eastern. Go smash some drafts, and we'll check you all later. District, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing on all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex. Send the homie a text. That trash off is the best. You try to make it complex, then they text you back. Now all of a sudden, they don't make any sense. <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. And I always be traded. And I always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.